0: So as we begin uh, looking together at the scriptures, would you take your Bibles and would you go back with me to the book of Galatians, and we're going to be tonight in the first paragraph or so of chapter 3 in Galatians. Galatians is in the New Testament. It's one of the letters written by Paul the Apostle, and in the opening chapter couple chapters, really, of Galatians, we've seen some of Paul's own testimony about himself, about his life, about his conversion, about how he came to Christ, about the ministry God gave him uh, after his conversion, about some of the people that he worked alongside and partnered with in (laughs) ministry, and about some things that were important to him and some things he had to teach these churches in this region of Galatia, especially about some of the core... Elements of Christianity, things like the Gospel and eternal life, and so that 's the angle that we 've kind of taken this study and um, I pray it 's been helpful for you up to this point. Uh, I want to talk tonight as we go through these verses i want to I want to open with and if you look at your your outline there, I really just want to open with some defining some key terms and help you understand i hope just how normal. I think that these kinds of things are, or at least should be, in the lives of Christians. So so last week, we, we took some time at the end of Galatians 2, where Paul is teaching the church, is teaching the believers about what it means to be justified by faith alone. And we tried to give a definition and give some explanation about that idea of justification. And... For some of you, maybe justification is something that just doesn't cross your mind very much. Maybe that's a topic or a term that maybe even was new to you, you're not familiar with. And, and I tried to explain a term like that is, is extremely crucial for who we are as believers because it, it, it helps us identify what it means to be right with God. What could be more important than knowing that we are right with God? And so I, I want to help you see some of these terms and help, them to, help just to normalize them. Help, help uh, conversations like this just to be the, the usual speech among us. Uh, I, I hope that that's the case. I think that the New Testament gives this pattern to where it's normal for us to, once we are right with God, to then grow in our understanding of what it means to be right with God, and to continue continue to pursue all that is entailed with being right with God. Um, I, I think that things like this, again, should should just be very normal. I think reading the Bible for Christians should be very normal. I think praying regularly should be very normal if you're a believer. Um, I, think, I think discussing these things with one another should be very, very normal if we are truly followers of Jesus. If If to you praying and reading the Bible are foreign concepts, and yet you call yourself a Christian, I would say that the New Testament writers would think that that's very unusual. uh, And we should too. So I want to read just this paragraph that we're going to look at, and then define some terms that are probably going to come up, even if they don't all come up tonight, they're going to come up in the next few weeks. Uh, Daniel, if you want to grab a Bible and and some notes back there, they're right straight there in the back, that might be helpful for you. Um, but let's just look at, this, at these verses together. It's a very short paragraph. Uh, I wanted to cover more, but there was enough here that I thought if I tried to do more, we'd, we'd be here longer than anybody wants to be. So we're going to cut it short um, for tonight, and we'll pick it up next week. So Galatians chapter 3, let's pick it up in verse 1 and read this, that first paragraph. Paul writes this, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Okay, let's stop there. And like I said, if you'll, if you'll just look at your notes, I want to help with some definitions, some of which we reviewed last week. Uh, but others are going to be new, but, but are either brought up in this passage or will be brought up in weeks to come. And I want to make sure that when we say these words, we know what we're talking about. So last week, we especially, as I mentioned, talked about this idea of justification. Somebody help me define justification. You've got most of the definition there in the bulletin, I think. Being Heidi? Righteous before God. Being counted righteous before God. Okay? Being counted righteous before God. Um, are we able to be counted righteous before God by our own efforts? No, Paul made that very clear in what we looked at last week. It has to be by what? Not by our works, but by... okay, By what in Jesus? By faith in Jesus, that's right. By faith in Jesus because what is central to Christianity is that Jesus was and is completely righteous. Jesus, when he lived on the earth, lived as a man, but lived in complete obedience to God from birth all the way through his death and resurrection and his ascension back into heaven. He was never not obedient to God. He was always perfect. And that is what is required of anybody who could be righteous before God. So who besides Jesus can be righteous before God based on their own efforts? None. None but Jesus. So, justification means that God, because of our faith in Jesus, our trust that His life and death counts for ours, we too can be counted as righteous before God because of Jesus' efforts, not our own. Now, if you are a Christian, there there was one period of your life where you were not justified, you were not right before God, and then you became justified. In a moment, so that you stand right now and forevermore right before God, counted as righteous before God because of the work of Jesus. That justification happened at one point in history, right? Where you went from being not right with God to being right with God. And you remain in that condition forevermore. But being justified happened at one point in history. But there's a process that happens throughout the rest of our Christian lives, and that process is called sanctification, and you see that term in your notes there. Here's how I think sanctification should be defined, one way it could be defined. That would be continually becoming holy, set apart from the world. Continually becoming holy, set apart from the world. So, if justification is a one-time-in-history Act that happened in your life, if you're a believer. Is sanctification also something that happens all at once? No. It's, it's like a line. If justification is a dot, sanctification is like a line. It's an ongoing process. So you and I, until the day we die, will continually go through this process of sanctification. Again, that's the normal New Testament way of thinking about what it means to live as one who is right with God. That we're continually becoming holy, we're becoming set apart from the world. You can see this in the passage, so let's look back uh, in verse 3 of this passage. He asks the question, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? All right, let's think about what he's asking there. When he says, having begun by the Spirit, what's he probably talking about? Okay, you started off, what started off? Yeah, being right with God. You started out, you were justified by the Spirit. The Spirit came into your life at the time that you were justified. Okay, so your Christian life began by the Spirit. So he says, if you began by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? What what would that idea of being perfected? What would we call that? Sanctification. Sanctification. Becoming holy. Being perfected is the way that he words it here. Now, does becoming perfected, as he says, becoming holy, does that happen he and he asks it this way by the flesh or by the spirit? Also by the Spirit, right? Now, sanctification is one of those deals where it, some of it is up to us, right? Like we have to obey. We're called to obey. But if we, again, if we just obey like, oh, I've got to muster up my own good works, we're probably not going to be very obedient, are we? It's got to be reliance on the Holy Spirit because that's the only hope of being holy that we have. If God did not give us His Holy Spirit, we'd fail miserably at this obedience thing. That's why a lot of us do is because we rely on ourselves and not on the Spirit. Now, those are some key definitions. Let's, let's keep going with, this, with these definitions. Here's what I want you to write in that there's a couple of equations here that I want you to make sure we get very clear. Our being right before God is not that first equation. So I think there's a blank there, and I want you to write not in front of salvation equals faith plus works because that is not... The formula described in Scripture. Our salvation is not faith and works. In other words, it's not believe in Jesus and do these good things. It's just believe in Jesus. It's just trust that Christ's life, death, and resurrection is sufficient to make you right before God. So it's not that, but it is the other thing. Our faith is, our faith uh, affects our salvation and our works. Meaning that we're saved by grace through faith, and we do our works also how? By faith. Again, faith in Christ, not faith in ourselves, not even faith in our works. We talked about that last week. Don't think that you have to uh, be obedient or, or, or have faith in your own obedience. You don't. Have faith in the work of Christ. Be obedient to Christ because of what He's done for us. So, might be helpful to remember it this way. We are justified before we're sanctified. Okay? You don't work your way to holiness and then God accepts you. You are made right before God and then we strive to be obedient. So you, you could write it this way. Done, D-O-N-E, done before do. In other words, Jesus has accomplished everything you need to be right with God. That's done. And that happens before he asks you to do anything, before he asks you to be obedient to him. So when you and I do good works, and I hope that we do, we don't, we don't do them to make ourselves right with God. We do them because we are right with God. That's where the next distinction, I hope, is helpful. Two, two definitions that, again, I want us to get, make sure we get right. The first uh, of, of those last two blanks, the first one is moralism. Moralism, M-O-R-A-L-I-S-M. Moralism says that I obey so that God will accept me. If you, if you think that you need to strive to be perfect so that God will somehow accept you and make you right before Him, that would be a wrong way to think of living, of living life. That would be a wrong understanding of what God requires of you. However, God does require morality, which, is that, which says that God has accepted me, so therefore I'll obey Him. God has made me right, and I want to obey Him. You see the difference? not trying to earn God's acceptance. It's already been done. We want to be moral. We want to be obedient. But we do it because God has already accepted us. So those are some, I think, Necessary and hopefully helpful terms that we need to we need to understand the distinction between some of those things. Now, how do those terms work with the normal experience of being justified by grace through faith? Here's how. Here's how Paul explains it. Uh, there are there are a few steps to this as he goes through this passage. I'll I'll. Uh, give you the notes and then we'll look at the verses to see if we get them right. The, f- the first step in this experience is that we recognize that Jesus was crucified as an act of God's grace. Jesus was crucified as an act of God's grace. We recognize that. So Paul says to the Galatians, uh, it was before your eyes that Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified. In other words, maybe some of these folks, maybe, had even seen the crucified Lord. Maybe. Jesus had been put to death probably less than 20 years, almost for sure, 20 years le- uh, less than 20 years before he wrote this. So some of them may have seen it. Maybe they'd traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover. They'd seen it. They'd gone back home. I don't know. But whether or not they had seen it, they knew it. They knew it to be true. Jesus had been crucified. And and Jesus had been crucified because God was gracious. If you read back at the very at the verse right before that, Paul talks about how it was the grace of God that it was because of the grace of God that Christ died for us. It wasn't for no purpose. It was God being gracious to us because we couldn't achieve righteousness on our own. So our experience too is we recognize Jesus was crucified because God was gracious to us. If you're right with God, hopefully you recognize Jesus was crucified because God was gracious to you. Okay? The next part is, when that happens, we receive the Holy Spirit by faith, not by works of the law. He just simply asks this rhetorical question in verse 2. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Well, based on what he said in chapter 2, what's, what does the answer have to be? By faith, not by works of the law. That's how we receive. The Spirit. And then the next step in this, how do we remain in the Spirit? Well, we remain in the Spirit for our sanctification because we began there. We have the Spirit because we're made right with God. So we remain in the Spirit so that we will continue to become like Christ, so that we'll be continually transformed into His image. Now understand this, you can see these, see these uh, explanations, hopefully, under, underneath those notes. The Holy Spirit was given to us, and the Holy Spirit, that what we would call spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given to us because we are justified by faith. Some people would try to, and I think this is some of his questioning there in, in like verses um, 4 and 5. Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles to you do so by works of the law, by hearing of faith? I think what he's saying is okay, if you, if you have these great spiritual gifts, Paul wrote letters in, to other churches to um, kind of correct their thinking about how they gained spiritual gifts. Well, do you gain spiritual gifts by your efforts? Or is it a gracious gift of God because you trusted in Christ for salvation? It's a gift, right? So the giving, the Spirit is given to us, and the gifts of the Spirit are given to us because we've been justified by faith. So you don't, you don't earn even your gifts by your efforts. It's all a gift of grace. And, and by the way, the, whatever gifts you have, the reason you have the gifts and the reason you have the Holy Spirit at all is so that once you've been made right with God, you and I can fight sin. So look at, the, look at the quote I came across this week. Sam Albury says, The sign that the Spirit is powerfully at work in you is not that there's no battle with sin, but a huge battle with sin. Because think about it. Are you confronted with sin on a regular basis? I am. And if I'm not fighting against it, that might be evidence that I don't really believe what I ca- claim to believe. There's a disconnect there. Which means I've got to fight sin actively. And when I do that, that's a sign that the Spirit is at work in me. Okay, so don't think to yourself, man, I've got all these temptations. I might not be a Christian. No, think to yourself, I'm fighting hard against sin. I must have the Holy Spirit in me. Otherwise, I wouldn't even fight against it. I'd give into to it all the time. Right? I know I would. And you probably picked up on reading through this. Uh, he, he's really being kind of harsh with these Galatians, isn't he? Twice he says that they're foolish. You're foolish. Well, why were they, why were they foolish? Apparently, they had this idea that, okay, well, we can, be, we can be right with God by our works, but even if not, we'll just keep ourselves right before God by our works. Well, here's what I think. I think Paul might paraphrase it this way in your notes. It is as foolish... To think that we will keep ourselves saved as it is to think that we saved ourselves in the first place. It is God through Christ who makes you right with Him and it is God through Christ who will keep you right with Him. You see the quote there in your notes from R.C. Sproul. We are secure not because we hold tightly to Jesus like our own efforts, like he's trying to get away and we've got him by the fingertips and we're trying to get him to not let go of us. No, we're secure not because we hold tightly to Jesus, but because he holds tightly to us. He has rescued us. We are in his hands. If we were to put it in a song we'd probably say something like he will hold us fast that's what he does that's our experience that, and again Paul teaches it that way as, as though that's the normal experience of all believers the struggle with sin is real the fight against sin is real and our security is not in what we do but in what Jesus has done that's our experience now Here's where I think he means for this to, again, feel very normal for them, because he wants to tell us in verse 6 that this is exactly the same way it was even for Abraham. Even for Abraham. Now, when did Abraham live in relation to Jesus? A lot earlier, right? A lot earlier, okay? Thousands of years earlier, in fact. Now, how could Abraham have been justified by grace through faith even before Jesus came? Here's, 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 here's how it's described here. Look at verse 6. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. That's a quote, by the way. If you want to put a, uh, a, a note, if you want to mark a note out there, that's a quote from Genesis 15, 6. That's from the Old Testament. So even in, even in Genesis, you have this idea of justification by faith. He believed God. What's the synonym for believed? He had, faith. he had faith. He trusted. Okay, so it's by his faith. It was counted to him as righteousness. What does it mean to be counted righteous? To be justified, to be justified right? So you could paraphrase it and say, Abraham was justified by faith. Abraham was bef- justified by before God, by faith in God. He believed God, and that's what counted him righteous before God. Now, I want to compare this again last week. I don't think I did a good job of it last week. So I want to try again. Maybe I'll get it closer. James 2. So I want you to turn in the back of your Bibles to James 2. Because I think this is the the line of thinking. So go to James 2. To see, again, the relationship, hopefully, between faith, and works in terms of our being right before God. So we'll hopefully do this quickly. I just want to pick up reading in verse 20. James 2, again, this is closer to the back of your Bibles from where Galatians is. James chapter 2, verse 20. James says, Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, even, even he's calling these readers foolish, that faith apart from works is useless, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. He's quoting the same verse from Genesis. And he says, and he was whole, he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Now, here's here's what's fascinating. I think this is very interesting. Paul quotes Genesis 15, 6 to say, Abraham was justified by faith. James quotes Genesis 15, 6 to say, Abraham was justified by works. Does one of them have to be wrong? If one of them is wrong, the Holy Spirit is wrong. Right? Because he inspired both of these things, I think. So, how do we explain this? How do we make sense of this? And, and look, at, look at, again, some of these points in your notes. His faith, it's very clear, his faith was displayed through his works. Verse 22 says, his faith was completed by his works. The faith began, the works completed it. His faith was not in his works. Okay, what specific work is being mentioned here by James that Abraham did? What action? What obedience? Putting his own son on the altar, right? That's the work that's mentioned here. Did Abraham's act of putting his son on the altar justify him before God? No, it did not. Because his faith was not in his works. His faith was not in that effort. It wasn't like, okay God, here's my son, now count me righteous before you. No, he was counted righteous before God seven chapters earlier in Genesis. Like 20-something years earlier. His righteousness was not based on works. His faith in God was counted to him as righteousness. Now when his faith was tested... When God said, put your son, your only son, on an altar, offer him to me as a burnt offering, that's a testing of his faith, right? Did he pass the test? He did because he was obedient and faithful. His faith was evidenced by his works. It was found to be genuine by his works. Do you think when Abraham stood before God and God is there to judge Abraham and say, Are you righteous before me? Do you think Abraham said something like, Well, I hope so. I offered my son to you as a sacrifice. No, I think Abraham probably pleaded something like, I don't have any righteousness of my own to offer, but I believed your word. I believed your promises. Which means that when you and I also one day stand before God and God is there to, to judge us, guilty or not guilty, if we plead, well, Lord, I, you know, I went to church, you know, I, I, I fed the poor, I visited the homeless and sick, I read my Bible, and you're trusting in your works or your best effort, I don't think that's going to cut it. Because I think the only answer is, Lord, I have no righteousness to offer of my own. I am trusting completely in the work and obedience of Jesus on my behalf. Which again, if you were to put it in song form, would probably sound like, when he shall come with trumpet sound, may I then in him be found. Dressed in what alone? His righteousness. righteousness Alone. Not plus anything. Then we're faultless to stand before the throne. Let's pray. So God, we do plead nothing but the blood of Jesus. We plead only the righteousness of Christ. That's that's all we can hope for. That is what makes us right with you. And, Lord, for those that aren't right with you, for those who have not been justified, I pray make clear to them the need to trust Christ alone and not on their efforts, not on their obedience but only in what Jesus has done for them. And I pray that for those of us who have been saved, have been justified, that our walk with you will be characterized by obedience, that our faith, when it is tested, will prove genuine because we are holding on to you because you are holding on to us. Lord, please let these truths guide our discussions as we break into groups now, that we might encourage one another with them. In Jesus' name, amen.